And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I think maybe my longest um, delay between episodes. So welcome to the show. I'm Eddie Cohn, host creator of The Spiritual Spiral. You're in for a wonderful, uplifting conversation today with yoga teacher, uh, breathwork teacher, Marlies Joubert. Marlies, I, I think I pronounced your last name correctly. I met Marlies, gosh, time moves so fast, I feel like. I met her probably 10 years ago at Hot 8 here in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills area. She's currently teaching, although she did injure her leg severely. So when I spoke to her, she was recovering. But once she recovers, she is teaching yoga at Yoga Works. She also teaches breath work uh, at Unplug Meditation. She also teaches online. And I felt it was an important time to reach out to her and speak to her about yoga, breath work, finding calm, peace in this bizarre world that we live in right now. I think any sort of conversation that can cause one to turn inward, I think it's an important time to do that right now. So it was a great talk. I always feel, more, it's, it's strange, I feel my body and mind calm and relax when I'm in the midst of these conversations. So I'm sure you'll feel the same way. Um, yeah, really briefly here, just part of the reason why I haven't had a podcast in a few weeks is I was putting the finishing touches on a record and I finally released my new record a few days ago on Spotify and iTunes. So please check it out. I am thrilled for the record. I think it, uh, it's called Dystopian Days. I think I created a record that really mirrors this bizarre dystopian world that we live in right now. I, I tried to create a record that is is fast and rock and up-tempo, but certainly asks a lot of questions. So I've been busy putting the final touches on that record and releasing it and promoting it. So that record's finally out in the world. So please check it out. I would love for you to listen. It's 30 minutes long. Turn off the phone or, or turn off any of the distractions, throw on headphones and submerge yourself into the world of dystopian days. So that's out. I also am putting the final touches on a book that should hopefully be coming out later this year. So I think, I guess my point in this is that we have to prioritize what's important. And much of my disdain towards technology and social media, I think it's changed our values and, and what we think we appreciate. And, and I think my podcast and working on my record and working on this book, it's all a reminder, not only to me, but to my listeners, the value of turning off the phone and implementing more intrinsic, thoughtful nuances into our life, be it conversations, be it listening, talking, writing, Breathwork, yoga, painting, going for walks, taking a break from your phone. So that's that's the theme of this show, and that's the theme of the record. So um, you know where to find me, at Eddie Cohn, on all social media platforms, uh, although I, I don't use TikTok. You can find Marlies on Instagram, at Marlies underscore Joubert. Uh, she also, as I said, teaches yoga here in L.A. and breath work in L.A. You can also find her on her website, marleysjoubert.com. As I said, her mediums are breath work, energy healing, mentorship, yoga, neuro-linguistic programming, mental and emotional release, hypnosis, lecturing, and writing. So she's the real deal. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. Thanks, Marlies, for taking the time to speak to me. And thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Good to see you. It's great to see you too. It's been a minute. Yeah. It has. It's, yeah. it's funny, though. Um, I know the tendency of, of the world, here I am, I'm just jumping right in, is to, to visualize everything. 
and to uh-huh. have to have a visual component to everything. And uh-huh. I, I know that, you know, look, my time is limited and I know that's part of the reason why I don't have my podcast video. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, you asked me and you're not my only guest. It's sort of like. Do, are you going to be video? That way I know that I'm camera ready. I mean, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah it's you want to be presentable and what does that even mean? I know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, but, but I do feel like, I feel like there is this pressure though to like always be camera ready. Not it, It's like because we live in this, this hyper camera Centric. Uh, is saying where they say, "Don't be camera ready for camera." You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Especially in this time, because I mean, it it really is such a sad thing that's happening with social media and with even younger people. Like I have, gosh, ninety percent of my clients are young girls between the ages of fifteen and twenty five. Yeah. That's been coming in for all the healing work and the pressure they have on themselves of like what they should look like and the, the amount of issues they have with their body and food. And it's always been around even when I was young, but I think the pressure these days is just, it's, 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 it's saddening. And it's, it's, um it frustrates me as yeah. well to see that, yeah. you know, it makes my life a lot harder, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what we see on social media is the opposite extreme of what reality really is, you know? Yeah. And it's sad. So for me, oh, the other aspect about doing something that's not visual um, is when I do like sessions with other people, um, you know, virtually, whether it's phone or Zoom, my intuition is actually a lot stronger. Hmm. It's kind of like I have to hone in with like one or two senses instead of the others. And sometimes when we see something visually, we get distracted or our mind kind of kicks in and gives us like, incorrect information or maybe there's too much information that we're taking in so i like i like auditory it's actually like for me it's a great way to learn um and it's also a stronger component when it comes to my intuition so i like i like auditory i think that's great yeah i agree i mean i (laughs) i think um i think our world is being I think you know we have five senses and I think the 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 visualization sense is hijacking all the others and I, I know that's a pretty strong potentially negatively connotated word but mm-hmm. I, I do think um, like I swim five times a week and mm, and I nice. get like I get these ads on Instagram to buy headphones that I could wear while I swim. But, mm. but, but part of the joy of, of, of swimming or showering is, you know, I don't want to have a technological device in these areas because I want my brain to sort of just like free flow and, and come up with ideas and just like be creative. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. You know, when we do something repetitive, the, um, the, the chatter of the brain kind of falls away and it opens space for consciousness. And it's like taking a walk, going for a drive, washing the dishes, you know, sweeping the floor, swimming. Um, it actually opens a channel for intuition and for creativity. Mm. And so our mind is an energy that's going outward. It's more, it's not gender specific, but it's more of a masculine energy. It's going outward. Um, intuition and feelings and senses is actually we receive that information. So it's information coming in. And if we're constantly thinking, 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 um, we block information from coming in, like from higher dimensions and places. So if you're swimming, you're creating space and a channel, a porthole to receive information. So why do you want to block that by listening to something, music, whatever else it is, right? Yeah. So the quiet spaces is actually pretty profound. Whether you're consciously aware that you're receiving information or not, you are. And sometimes those aha moments like pop in a little bit later, you know, later in the day, all of a sudden you get this like idea in your mind, the light bulb goes on. It's like, why, why haven't I not thought about that before? But it's just a quiet moment where that information just kind of seeps into the consciousness. Yeah. You know, I have, I don't want to say issues, but I think there is this certain connotation towards yoga teachers have things figured out. 
or, you know, they know. You know, you know. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's really the opposite extreme. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, but, there's a yeah. reason why we seek out yoga in the first place. There's <laughs> a reason why we seek out healing in the first place, you know, because we need we need fixing. Um, if I can talk about Joseph Campbell just for a second, sure. you know, the philosopher, um, he talks about the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is, you know, when you have an event, a life event, an early part of your life that's really devastating and it causes like trauma and a lot of pain. And then that's the first aspect of it. We talk about like a circle, right? So that's the first one. And so the second one is like seeking out help, um, whether it's breath work, therapy, all different types of modalities, and then you start to feel better. So that's the second aspect of the circle. And then to complete the circle is your desire to want to give back. Hmm. So that pain and that suffering and whatever you're going through has been alchemized into some form of a gift or compassion or being able to have uh, be a witness or a container, a space holder for the world or for somebody else. And just being a witness of somebody else going through some form of a transformation that you have some experience of can actually make them feel safe enough to open and surrender and have their own healing experience around it. So in a nutshell, like most of us who are in the healing arts are the ones who's like most messed up for a big part of our life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we seek help, you know, and then we have this desire to want to give back. Hmm. And the giving back is like, this sounds super cliche, but there's so much joy in it because if you can have compassion for somebody else going through something or you see healing happening in front of you that is maybe kind of similar to something you've experienced in your life before if you can have compassion for that person in front of you it means you can learn to have compassion for yourself because so many of us like do judge and blame and hate our past or certain experiences from our past yeah you know but if we can hold that container for somebody else going through something similar and you can actually have compassion um, it kind of like mirrors back to you and the healing happens within yourself. I think one of the age old tropes of, of and, and I've, I was reading about you also and, and people that are in breath work or, or, or yoga is, you know, everybody is, uh, and it's weird. This will be, it'll take a second for me to get to my, my question, but you know that everybody is equal or, or everybody has the potential for beauty. And, and I, I, I struggle with, you know, is the world just chaotic chaos, just like uh, unrelenting chaos. And, mm -hmm. you know, we say these, these sayings of, of equality and beauty. And of course we all, deserve them and want them. Mm. But I think, you know, the world is a very evil place and, 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 and dangerous. And mm. I, 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 is it, you know, we talk about the beauty, I feel like, cause it's almost easier and we sort of, you know, avoid some of the toxicity in the world. And of course we mm. need to have a balance, but I struggle with, um, you know, how much can we control? You know, I, I do all these things to be happy and, and be mm. respectful, but then, you know, it's like the world just sort of can unleash its fury at, at, at any moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's difficult. I mean, life, life is hard. I think if we can do everything perfectly and right, there's no reason for us to be here, hmm. you know? And so the way that I understand it, I can share a little bit about breath work to kind of get to that point of your question. So I might take a moment myself yeah, here yeah, yeah. is that we all have different beliefs and something that I believe and that I kind of base my work off of is that we have a certain experience as a child and we say you're three, four, five years old. And on the outside, you see dad's never home or mom's this, whatever it is. And you create these limiting beliefs around like, I'm not enough. I need to work harder for love. Or um, there can be like some terror of fear coming in and say there's violence around you, whatever. And at such an age, you can't process that terror or rage or sadness um, or anger, whatever it is, is coming through your system. So your body's going to store it because you're literally exploding age of four, right? And then as you get older, 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 um, you get stronger, wiser, more resilient, all the great stuff until your, your soul decides you're finally ready to deal. 
And the way to deal is for us to, first of all, recognize that we have something that we need to take care of because it's stored so far away that a lot of the times we don't even know these stuff was stuck in our body energetically, right? So we are going to magnetize experiences into our life that's going to mimic to some degree what we have experienced as a child. Mm. You know, say there was a lot of violence around me growing up. So I'm going to maybe attract experiences where people are going to be violent towards me, verbally abusive, make me feel unsafe. So those old wounds are now going to get triggered so they can come up to the surface. So then I can be aware of it. Oh, I have this false belief. I have this fear that it's unresolved. Or now we can look at that and recognize, and, and we can choose to look at it from a place of like, life is happening to me. You know, um, this person's abusing me. This person's doing this. That person's doing that, da, 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 in the space of a being a victim mentality. Or we can look at that from a more conscious place. And we're human, okay? We all go to the victim mentality a lot of the times. And it's totally fun. There's no judgment because we're human. Um, but as we begin to evolve, you want to start mapping those out and be like, wow, is it really all these people that are just abusing me for some degree? And that's the, this it, I'm just this victim and life's happening to me, or is life trying to teach me something? Is it trying to wake me up to something? How is this familiar in my life? You know, these are some questions that I ask my clients, like, how is this experience familiar to you? Have you ever experienced it before? When was the first time you experienced it? You know, and that's how we begin to map out these experiences. And then for them to empower themselves to recognize, oh, I have this wound around abuse, you know. Mm -hmm. Now I can consciously sort of work on it. And as I heal it, I can recognize that I'm healing the younger version of myself inside myself that's really carrying the wound. Because as you clear the stuff out of your body, you're going to stop attracting it because there's nothing else that needs to teach you or show you. So the, the, the situations and the familiar cycles that we end eventually go away as we begin to understand what it's trying to teach us. So that's one thing I want to say. Breathwork helps to clear that process, to clear the stuff out faster. Mm. So we don't have to attract all of these abusive experiences. We can wake up, we can clear it out through the breath, and we don't ever have to see it again. Now, the other thing I want to say is, so imagine you're sitting on a lot of anxiety, panic, or, you know, having just having a, a lot of anxiety or a grief that you haven't processed yet. And the world is going through a major grieving process or anxious and really scared about whether they're going to be around tomorrow, or whether their dad's going to be around the next day, whether they're going to have a job. And you're sitting on these unresolved stuff. Life's going to trigger, the world's going to trigger the hell out of you. Hmm because it's unresolved. So it's gonna keep coming up. You're gonna sit in a big bundle of anxiety or a big bundle of like whatever, all the unresolved stuff's gonna constantly be triggered. Because if we process our emotions and feelings and we go to therapy, breathwork, we do all these great modalities, then the stuff we suppressed is a lot less. And so there's not so much to get triggered when life around us are chaotic. So because then I can walk down the street and be like, oh, that person's anxious. I feel the energy of anxiety, but I don't become anxious. I don't get like, it doesn't overtake me because I'm not sitting on like a big time bomb of anxiety that I've been suppressed for my whole life. Hmm. Because we're meant to get activated. So the stuff can come up and clear out. And so that's why when I talk to my spiritual teacher, you know, he always talks about like, are you clear? How do you know you're clear? Like, are you carrying energy from other people? Are you suppressing stuff? Because if I'm sitting in a group of like, say, 50 people and I'm teaching breath work for, and I'm sitting on like a lot of sadness, and there's like 49 of those 50 people are sad, it's going to activate my sadness and it's going to throw me off my tracks and I'm not going to be able to ground. I might even start to cry myself. So it's about like doing self-inquiry and be like, wow, like, why do I feel this on such a regular basis? And how is it familiar in my life? Yeah. And am I clear? Do I need to do breath work? Do I need to cry, scream? Do I need to watch a sad movie so I can cry? You know, do I need to write so I can clear some emotions out? Or So it's, it's more like, can I be grounded? And 
is there any emotions that I need to clear? And is the world activating some stuff within myself that I need to look at? I, I feel a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if that's just having empath qualities or just being sensitive. Did you get the sense that you, or, or are all human beings that way, but, but um, people are so distracted uh, by phones, television, shows, work, bills. I mean, it's weird. Like, I, I'll get this, I've gotten more so in the past, like, oh, Eddie, you're just being too sensitive. But I've always felt mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, it's not being too sensitive. It's just how I feel and how I'm reacting. I mean, did you ever, did you feel, there's really not a question here, but I guess to totally try, get it. what am I trying to say? You know? Totally get what you're trying yeah. to say. You know, um, it's interesting. I grew up with like my mom used to tell me the same thing too. Like just get over it. You're too sensitive, you know, and unfortunately sensitivity are like a bad rep hmm. in the world too, because it's actually such a gift. Because what it is, is we receive information through our senses, sensitivity. It's like, so we receive information where we're heightened when it comes to receiving information through our senses. What we hear, what we sense, what we feel, smell, taste, all these things. And as an empathic being, what it really is, is like we've accumulated gifts. If we believe in past lives, if you don't, that's fine too. Um, that we have an ability to see and feel and understand more than what's on the surface. And so in a way, it's a gift because we receive information and then we want to be in a career or a place in a life in a world where we can actually utilize that as a gift through a writer or, you know, being a breathwork teacher or bring, you know, being a podcast, like all these things, music, fantastic for that. It's brilliant, you know, because you, you, you share that sensitivity and that empathic nature and that intuition with other people and that pick it up on a deeper level through their their um, nervous system, you know, um, and you can heal people just through you being part of that sensitivity and you being that open vessel. Because if somebody else resonates with your sadness, if you're singing a sad song or whatever it is, then their sadness is going to get activated. It's going to come up to the surface and clear out. So you're actually a vehicle for them to be able to heal through your music. So that's one example. Um, Unfortunately, the way that I want to look at that is like, I feel like there's a small group of people, a smaller group of people on this planet that are gifted like that through the sensitivity of knowing and feeling and sensing more. And people who are not like that in past lives way back when would condemn these people and try to control them and keep them controlled to some degree. So there's always been a judgment or a separation. Like look at women that used to be witches, you know, and being mm. decapitated, you know, same thing. It's like, they know too much to put a spell on us, but with all these things, you know, so it is a gift, but the more clearer we can be within ourselves, not having any of the stuck emotions in our body, then when we feel so much from the world, it's not going to be so overwhelming. It's going to literally just be like, Oh, I'm feeling this person's sad. This person's anxious. This person's angry. Instead of me absorbing that anger and me absorbing that anxiety, me absorbing that sadness. Yeah. You know, um, another aspect to that is like when we have a limiting belief from I'm not enough, I need to do more for love, for validation. Um, I need to process somebody else's emotions so that I can feel safe. Say you have an abusive dad and your empathic nature is like, let me just process his anger because if I process his anger, maybe he won't, yell at me Hmm. and I can then feel safe. So impasse is that because we're older souls, we can process people's energy and emotions and stuff. And we do it obviously unknowingly for the most part. Um, And so we have these like limiting beliefs of like, let me process, let me take on, let me absorb. Um, And then we carry all their stuff on top of like our own. Because, yeah, you know, we feel other people's energies and emotions more than they can. And it's just, it is a gift. But our work is like to recognize if we have limiting beliefs around taking on other people's energy and see if we can go to work around that.
I don't know how people are moving through this time without tools because it's challenging for including myself for everybody that I've seen around me and I'm just grateful that I have some tools that I can navigate you know all this difficult stuff that's going on in the world because it's a lot it is a lot it's very emotionally traumatic and we are living a um, a transitional period unlike anything that I think we are mentally physically potentially prepared for or I really I really believe that and um, and I think what's frustrating for me is it's it's sort of hidden behind the guise of care and health and I just I don't really believe and I know this can sound uh, conspiratorial very cryptic but you know healthy but unhealthy behavior has been uh, going on for years. And um, I feel like we are a culture of quick fix and also how can it sort of benefit particular agendas. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this, everything that's, it gets to a point where the the action or the, the decision of how to deal with A, mm-hmm. it, I believe it gets to a point where maybe we're creating more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And and I just feel like the 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 mandates, the forced uh, shots, and the staying at home, and and I just I don't know. I think about kids now and and being forced to mask and, and young young ages, and and I know the leaders will say, well, it's it's for safety and it's for caring for other people, and I, I don't know. I have a hard time. Um, just being quiet and saying, gosh, what's what's being forced upon us, quote unquote mm-hmm. forced, because at least we're not Australia right now. Um, yeah, I'm not right. yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like um, we're getting a lot of mixed messages. And I don't know if it's re- like, I don't, I, I guess I've learned from a very young age, because I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease when I was 12, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I learned that I can't rely on the medical field. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this and this isn't a broad stroke. Of course, there's great doctors, there's great nurses, but mm. I fully believe that I'm in good health because I put in the work of therapy, mm. you know, acupuncture, mm. chiropractic work, um, yoga, breath work, eating very well, and mm. I am putting myself in a position to be in in long lasting good health. Mm-hmm. And That's so beautiful. I just I have a hard time sort of navigating what's being thrown our way right now. I know. And I can totally see that and understand that, you know, and I think you and most people on this planet right now, you know, so that what I can understand is that we're a group of people, the world that's fighting for a common cause and a common goal. And <laughs> I did a training a few years ago. Uh, it's called MITT. And I just remember we were in a group of like two or 300 people in one room and trying to figure out an, like an answer for like one thing, you know, mm. and there's like 200 people all have different opinions about mm. different stuff. It was chaotic. Yeah. It was insane. Finally, almost get an answer. And then one person would stand up and scream and yell about like, well, that's not wrong. We should try this instead. And then everybody would just go crazy again. So I think what I'm trying to say is like, it's really hard because in our minds, certain beliefs and certain value systems and the way that our culture and the way that we've been brought up is common sense hmm. for us. In my mind, I have a belief about this, about vaccines and this about COVID and this about like whatever, all of it, right? And this is just in my mind, it's totally common sense. And then another person can have a totally different upbringing and different understanding of things and they can have a completely different opinion. So the the... The struggle is that we are all fighting, fighting, fighting is a strong word, but we're all like aiming for a solution that could work for everybody. Hmm. But everybody has a different belief system and a different value system and a different background, different culture and what feels right for them. And because of your experience growing up and having that autoimmune disease and you know a lot about the medical system. So you would not want to, I don't know, I can't put words in your mouth, but it's like, you probably don't fully trust them. 
Um, I grew up with like having some digestive stuff and hormonal things for most of my life. And I would go to a million different doctors and nobody could really find a cure or find even anything wrong. But I feel like there's something wrong. So I took that in my own hands and studied supplements and different modalities and all these things too. And just used my body as a freaking laboratory to kind of figure out like what really works. And I also realized I'm just really very sensitive. And the more I'm experimenting, the more I'm understanding my body has this intuitive like language that I can even pick up some supplements and feel the, the frequency of the energy and my body will tell me yes or no and all these different things. So it actually developed a lot of gifts for me through this process, hmm. you know? So it's difficult because there's something that I really like that feels right for me. And I like to call it like, I'd like to honor somebody else's model of the world. So that's like, hey, this is what I believe about masks. This is what I believe about vaccines. This is what I believe about COVID. And I honor and respect whatever you believe. And that I love. But the problem is people are forcing their opinion and beliefs and values on other people. And that's where things are getting a little sticky and tricky. So there's a lot of control. There's a lot of things that doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of money that's been spent billions and millions of dollars and things that is just completely unnecessary where the homeless is starving and all these other things. So it's like in my mind, it's like, what? it doesn't make any sense. It's almost like the wrong people are in power. The wrong people have abilities to make things happen, but nothing's really happening. So it's a frustrating thing. I totally get it. But at the end of the day, it's like my mind can spin on it and I can't adjust what I see and experience in the world. And then eventually all I can do is just surrender and just focus on my small little world, which is like my home and my little environment, because that is what I can control, you know, or I can sit and be frustrated and angry and lose a lot of energy on it. And I do sometimes, you know, cause yeah. I'm human, but at the end of the day, it's like, what, what can I control and what can I be okay with? Now I'm blessed cause I don't have children. And I don't have other people that I think that having children and having to make those big decisions from schools and vaccines and all that stuff too, where it's just, it's really just me, you know, and it makes it easier, I think, than having to be responsible for other people around you as well. We're in a frustrating, it's a, it's a difficult situation, but what I can share with you is like, I love astrology. And when COVID started, there was an alignment that started um, I believe it was Pluto and Saturn conjunct that hasn't been around for over 400 years. Mm -hmm. Nobody could predict how this alignment was going to show up in the world. Say the, say the alignment again. What was it? It was, uh, I believe it was a Pluto and a, and a Saturn alignment that was, they were conjunct. Okay. Okay. Pluto is about death and mm -hmm. rebirth or perhaps just death. Right. Saturn is uh, taking responsibility, fairness, equality. So it brought everybody to an equal stance. All the stuff that we are needing to take responsibility in our life is going to be in our faces and we can't avoid it. Pluto is like, it's, it stops in your face. Like you're either going to take responsibility for it now. It's not going to go away. We can't avoid it. We can't pretend none of that stuff. So we are, we are forced to course correct ourselves and very uncomfortable ways, painful ways. Um, they were predicting a lot of people going to die. They were even thinking that maybe war was going to start. Nobody knew that it was going to be a virus. So the way that I want to look at that is like COVID is a catalyst, uh, a very uncomfortable, forceful catalyst, forcing us to, to course correct. We've been thrown into different environments and different directions, you know, to start new. So this is, we're going to look back at this time and this is when everything changes, changed. This alignment that happened 400 years ago, the plague started and destroyed humanity. And we're kind of heading in the same direction. We're far from done. This alignment that we have now is 20 years long. We're only in no second here. Hmm. And we haven't found it. We haven't landed on a new foundation or a new normal yet. So it's, it's still like, it feels like there's a lot of like wiping out, people are dying or having rebirths and deaths and stuff. So 
we're going through this constant transformation, stuff's coming up, clearing out, clearing up, coming up, clearing out, coming up, clearing out, and it's intense. And the more we resist, the more we try to hold on to how things used to be, the more painful it's going to get. And some souls are not wanting to be here for it because it's too much for them. So you're going to, we are going to be a lot of people passing away that has nothing to do with COVID. Yeah. So all the abuse and the addiction and all mental, all that stuff is coming up, but it's like, it's hard from a different perspective. It's like karmically they're meant to have that experience. And some of them want to continue it on any other side of this life. Um, it's also a catalyst to show us where we are divided in our world because a lot of forward movement for us, for our future is unity. And anything that's creating division is going to come up in a very big way and being highlighted. Yeah. And so you can see that everywhere in the world from the presidency, you know, to should we do vaccines or not? Masks or not masks, you know, the black lives matter movement, all these systems are going to come up and really being highlighted in, in our faces about the amount of division we have in the world so that we can change it. So we can create something that's more unifying in the world. But so it's going to look more chaotic. It's going to look more like more division is being created, but it's always been there. It's just coming up now. So things can change. I was, it's funny. I was thinking about, I was listening to an earlier podcast earlier and I'm not religious but he was talking about the value of Christianity. Um, I, I sort of equate it to values, having strong values, and um, you know, being morally um, stable. You know, and and it, it's it's strange, but I, I feel like um, I feel like you know, I know during COVID, people couldn't go to church, um, people couldn't go to synagogue. Um, all these community events like going to basketball games and football games were taken away and mm. uh, social media promises community. And, and I feel like it's, it's, prov- it's doing the complete opposite. You know, mm. I, I think this idea of, of what brings people together, community, um, v- strong values, religion, going to church, going to, to basketball games, I, it's, it's, I feel like it's, I even notice this in my own circle of friends. I mean, I'll send texts or or phone calls and and I won't get a call back. And it's hard for me not to take it personally, but I I do realize that more than likely they're just we are so caught up in the minutia of of what's mm-hmm. going on and the constant onslaught of information mm-hmm. and what's thrown at us that I don't know. I feel like it's really it's so important now to cling to those uh, intrinsic or moral qualities or the the community aspects of our lives right now yeah that's so true yeah and there's a lot of new community communities that are forming in this time too you know um people coming together for like common causes that also have similar values and stuff but i have to say it was it's really aggravating and hard for me to see um how churches and places like that were closing off and but other markets supermarkets and things are allowed to be open you know and it's like this again like there's some things that just doesn't in my mind makes sense and it seems really unfair, you know, but yeah, there are communities that are forming there are old community communities is also dissolving in this time as well. Um, and it's interesting what I'm realizing too, um, going back to uh, teaching yoga, um, I got hired again over yoga works main street. Uh, it's the only studio that still exists to yoga works, uh, a physical form. Um, they, kind of partner with um, Go Digital. So they're also now a live streaming uh, studio. And I was expecting, like, so they had over 60 studios all over, right? All of them closed except for one. So the amount of students, the amount of teachers, okay, that's kind of out of work and not being able to go to a studio in person. You would think that that studio is going to open. It's going to be a line around the block of people that want to come in. And then you see people trickling in. There's maybe like 10, 15 people in the class, you know, where you can probably take up to 50 people. I mean, we talk about like really big teachers, you know, that would have like packed classes. And it made me think, it's like, why? Where is everybody? Hmm. You know, and it made me realize because we've all been so separate and being so you know, in quarantine and not being able to see people for so long. And my eyes just opened. I was like, wow, people are 
going through so much. Yeah. And I, I don't think we're even close to aware of the fact of how much people are like what they're walking through. So even if like friends not reaching back around or, you know, all the usual stuff, I think the intensity of what people are going through is so much that they want to just get through a day. Hmm. And I, I don't have insight. We have the gardeners here. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it. Anyway, yeah, um, the intensity of what people are going through is a lot, I think. And we don't really know because we haven't been around them. Yeah. And I think that for people to just kind of get through a day is enough. Never mind like hanging out with friends, but sometimes you need energy to show up. If you don't feel great, you need to like muster up a lot of energy to show up and socialize with people or even a phone call sometimes, you know. What was you know? what was your world, let's go back like a few years, um, pre-COVID, were you mostly doing yoga and breath work or you sort of, because I met you, I feel like 10 years ago at, at Hot 8. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, you were a yoga teacher, but I could already sense the emphasis on breath work. So um, when did you get involved and interested in this world and, and how is it? And eventually I'm just curious how it's different then as opposed to now, but. Yeah, absolutely. So my my yoga career probably started around 2005. I did like a bunch of different trainings and stuff and eventually really got going around like maybe 2008, nine. Okay. Um, and I landed at my breathwork teacher's class in like 2010. Um, it totally changed my life. You know, it was going through like a, a major change in my life too. And I was even thinking of permanently moving back to South Africa at the time. And then I met him and it's kind of like I had to, I had to walk away from yoga to find spirituality, hmm. to find like the true authenticity of yoga, really yoga philosophy and breath and what everything means, you know, and I like strong fitness yoga classes. I love it, but you can have all that plus the yoga lineage in there, you know, and spirituality and consciousness. And so I met my teacher in 2010 and the work was just so profound. It changed my life in such a small amount of time. My life just took like a 180 in like a few months. And I started traveling with him all over the world. His name's David Elliott. Okay. Um, did like eight of these trainings a month and a year and like four of these retreats. So it was almost every single month. And we travel all over the world with him. And I, taught yoga for his trainings and retreats and then assist him and then start leading some of his trainings and then eventually wrote my own. Um, and I would go back and teach yoga again, you know, went over to yoga works and taught for quite a few years there. And I would just bring the energy of the spirituality and the breath, you know, because breath is such an incredible tool, but it's about energy and holding space and groundedness and, um, group energy. There's, there's so much that I've learned with my teacher through the breathwork process, you know, um, in all these years. So I probably work with him side by side for seven, eight years. Um, so I still teach yoga and I love it so much, but it's always felt like a stepping stone to something bigger and greater for me. Um, a platform to step into and then also share some of the other stuff. And I was blessed to, you know, I landed Unplugged Meditation here in Santa Monica and the owner has done such a great job with bringing in some really high profile clients and people and such a beautiful studio. And I led my first ever breathwork training there um, before COVID hit and we had like over 40 people in class and it was an incredible experience and people have received so much from it and it really feels like it's the new yoga, you know, Mm. breathwork is just so effective and powerful and um, people from all walks of life show up like men, women, you know, people who's not really into meditation so much because it's an active practice and there's loud music and it's just, it's fun. And it's, it's, it's active because the mind likes to be active hmm. and you kind of bypass, um, the stillness and the discomfort of quiet meditation, but all the magic still happens through the process. Um, and then, yeah. And then COVID hit and, you know, the numbers trickle down and become virtual, which is also great because I wanted to actually segue into doing more virtual stuff. So it kind of forced me real fast. Um, but yeah, I still do both. I teach yoga breath work. Um, sometimes I do a little bit of both. And 
I'm spending a lot more time with the breathwork and spiritual practices because um, I love it so much. I get so much from it and I feel like people need it so much as well in this time. It helps yeah. with mental health and anxiety and all kinds of stuff. It's it's hard for me because I, I, and maybe you can give a tip or something, but, you know, I've always had a hard time with this idea of, yeah, I can be in a yoga class or I can be in breath work or learning, focusing on the breath or working on my breath, whether if I'm in class or at home or on vacation. But if, if I'm in the moment of a stressful moment, mm-hmm. it, it feels like um, nothing, I'm me- like I'm mentally handicapped, like nothing works. Uh-huh. And yeah, so, debilitates you. <laughs> yeah, so I sort of, I, I sort of, you know, we we practice and we do these these modalities like breath work while mm-hmm. we're sort of in a i mean of course we could go to class stressed out and and feel better afterwards but for me i have a hard time when i'm in the moment of a stressful event mm-hmm. rely I, it, it's like i can't i can't rely on anything to help me relax uh-huh. it's so true you know and that's also just part of being human you know my teacher would talk about like out creating um what it, whenever those flares up happen, you know, so it's about a lot about self-study too. Um, I can kind of, you know, give an example too. So when I lead these trainings, um, so I can begin to map out, like when I, when I get the idea of wanting to lead a training, I was like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I like start marketing, get people out there. And like maybe two or three days before the training, I start freaking out. I was like, <gasps> what was I thinking? I don't know. I have nothing to teach. Like what? Like I want to just run a hell away, you know? And then the day before is the worst. And that's usually the moment where I get super ungrounded and spacey. And all of a sudden feel like I forget everything that I want to teach the next day, you know, and heightened like anxiety and fear, you know? And then I wake up on the day of the training and then I just feel grounded and peaceful. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's quiet and it just energy just channels through me. And so what I'm trying to say is like, we all have certain resistances and personal volatility. Personal volatility is like when we are um, being asked to show up in a specific way, take responsibility for a life or accountability for it or for a gift and our purpose. Um, and we're just super resistant, you know, when life throws us like curveballs and stuff like that, because the stuff that comes away is usually in a resistance to some degree. So if you can begin to map out, like, when do you have these big reactions? Like, is it anger that shows up? Is it sadness? Is it anxiety? And where does the triggers come from? So doing that self-study and see when they begin to show up. Is there a specific time of the day, a specific person, whatever it is? So it's like, so we can, you begin to map out your own pattern. Because knowledge is power. And the more you can understand yourself and know like same people, you know, same thing with like food. If people have certain triggers of like, if, if I'm going to eat a slice of this cake, I'm going to eat five cakes, you know, or yeah. if I'm going to have a shot of tequila, then I know I'm going to finish the whole bottle. But if I drink like vodka, I'm fine, like whatever. So getting to know our triggers, you know, why throw us off our track. And then the minute when these things show up, if there's a way that we can like outcreate it, you know, and when I say I'll create, I'll give you an example. So my teacher would have us sometimes stand, in, stand up and have to speak in front of the whole group. And I would have a lot of fear around that, you know, because I had a lot of fear growing up around like speaking in front of people and stuff. It's funny that I chose a couple of careers. It's all about that, but part of the journey. Um, and he would have me stand up in front of 70 people and be like, let out a big yell. Hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to scream in front of all these people. And, you know, my mind, I'm like, judgment, judgment, judgment. I'm going to look ugly. The sound's going to be weird. Like, what are all these things? You know, and I sort of stutter and shake. And he's like, just do it. As I'm supposed to, like, read a poem and I'm, like, shaking and so nervous. And he's like, just scream. And then you let out that yell. And it sounds like glass shatter, like your energy, like energy just pulse through your system. And all of a sudden, there's this quiet moment on the other side of it. Hmm. And you feel grounded. And then when you speak, it's almost like your voice is so powerful and you channel that information and you're calm. So it's kind of like, how do I outcreate these patterns that come up? So when the anger comes up, when that resistance comes up, you got to respond differently. 
Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so when these things show up, scream, yell, like laugh at it, like do some dance, like do Mm. something totally out of the ordinary to break that pattern so you can begin to show up differently. Uh, Did you ever see the movie Dead Poets Society? It sounds familiar. I know it's a really popular big movie, but I don't, I I, I will have to revisit that. (laughs) No, there's just, there's this scene where, um, you know, most of Robin Williams' students are very timid and quiet and shy, and he demands his students to stand up on their desks and yell uh-huh. and yell out like a big scream. Yeah. So there you go. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. So it's like when those things show up, you know, in your life, when that resistance. So first of all, we gotta you gotta do self inquiry. You gotta get to know yourself. When those triggers show up, why they're showing up, you gotta catch them. It's like, oh, here it is. And then, okay, cool. Am I going to let out a yell? Am I going to laugh really silly? Am I going to make a left instead of a right? Am I going to just, you got you to gotta break that cycle. I mean, how, like, what's a common quote-unquote issue with with people's breath or because I mean obviously I'm alive and and when I'm not breathing I'm no longer here Mm -hmm. um you know is it is it what are you trying to help people like to 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 use the breath for particular reasons or to become more in touch with the breath or you know what are the and then sort of coupled with what are people's issues with breathing if there is is such a thing as an issue you know Absolutely. And that's a great question. So, so there's, there's a million different types of breath. Hmm. Okay. Pranayama is a yoga style of breath, right? Pranayama means breath extension or breath control. Pranayama and yoga is mostly a breath that you take through your nose. Okay. In in inhale, exhale through the nose, all different like styles and ways of doing it. So through the yoga lineage is like you cultivate prana and life force. Prana is life force and energy by breathing through the nose, right? And controlling it and extending it so that you pull more of yourself, the prana energy life force into your body, stimulates the brain. Now I teach one, one style, a very specific kind of breath. It's a circular breath that is very different than a yoga breath. Hmm. You do it laying on your back. You're doing it all through your mouth. It's an inhale and an exhale through the mouth. It's two breaths in and one out. It's a half a belly breath, half a chest breath, and it's hail. It, it looks like this. So belly inhale, chest mm-hmm. inhale, exhale. But it's pretty strong, yeah. okay? And I'll show you, I'll share the science behind it. So the first breath that you take in into the lower abdomen opens your first three chakras of the body. Your second breath that goes into your chest, the center of your heart, opens your heart chakra. Now, when the heart opens, your higher chakras open up. So when I talked to you earlier about um, a whole life experience is kind of sitting in our body from childhood until we're ready to deal with our stuff, right? And stuff can start coming up. Mm-hmm. So we have seven major chakras in our body. Okay. And that's energy centers, vortexes, you know, for people who don't know what that is. And all this stuff in our whole life, limiting beliefs, traumas, past stuff, wounds, even things from past lives, lineage stuff, mom and dad, all of it is in our energetic body. So the breath kind of goes into the subconscious, into the areas where the chakras are, and forcefully begin to push that stuff up to the surface and beginning to open our chakras and then clearing all the old stuff out. And when the heart opens, we're beginning to live from a place of a hard consciousness and truth mm-hmm. to perception instead of a place of illusion um getting like stuck in the old stories and the limiting beliefs you know the lower chakras so the specific breath is incredibly healing so clear your old stuff out it opens the heart opens the intuition creativity and because you breathe through your mouth it stimulates your your bodily sensations so you will literally sort of feel energy flushing through your system. You feel vibrations and tingling sensations. 
emotions clear out of your heart as your heart starts to open. All of a sudden you have all these tears come through and you don't even know where they're coming from. So it's a, it's a very powerful practice. Hmm. You get to the other side and it can even feel psychedelic because when the senses heightened and the hearing and the vision and all that stuff, you know, um, it, it opens different channels and stuff. Um, you do that for like 10 minutes up to 30. Most sessions are about 30 minutes long. You do loud, fun music in the background. You can have rock music, world beats, whatever. It doesn't matter because the energy of the breath is everything's happening. The mind naturally quiets down because you're so interested in what's going on in the body and energy and stuff. So yeah, it's a different practice. Uh, it's very, it's a healing active meditation that helps you to connect deep with your energetic body and kind of clear the old stuff out. Wow. And are you, are you dealing with an injury of some sort? I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, interesting story. So I had a, um, somebody ran me over on a ski slope in 2006. Oh, wow. Um, I was just learning to ski myself, but she was a snowboarder and she ran over me. I fell down and she just kept going down the mountain. And oh. My right shin was pointing outward to the right from my knee. So I knew that I tore something in my knee. Yeah. I didn't really know what it was. I never really got an MRI. Um, and I remember getting off of the stretcher down the mountain, trying to step on my leg, and it just gave in. It was like nothing, no stability, nothing. Yeah. It scared me so much. Anyway, so I never got an MRI. It healed naturally. Everything great. Beginning of the year, um, I was doing some jumping stuff and boxing and my my foot landed funny and I just felt this I heard this big snap in my knee Ugh. and my whole shin just kind of like went numb for a second I was like oh shit um sat down see if I can like step on my foot oh foot's totally fine it kind of healed within a month it's like okay nothing big whatever um I learned to go surf down and I can make a rock bar a few months ago uh -huh. And stepped out of the water. I was literally just coming out of the water, put my feet on the ground and st stood up. And my knee just buckled in and backwards. Oh. There was no support. It just gave in under me. Oh, That's the weirdest God. thing. I was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> I would have been screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Got home. I was like, all right, let's get an MRI. See what's really going on. Yeah. And I sat in a surgeon's office and he's like, so when did you tear your ACL? Uh, I was like, what am I, what? <laughs> He's like, I can't find your ACL on your MRI does not exist. I said, well, the only thing that I can think of was that skiing accident that I had years ago. So apparently I tore my ACL and it's been like degenerating ever since. And uh, uh, because I was, I guess, doing low impact um, exercises, cycling and stuff like that, there wasn't a lot of lateral movement on my right, knee. Right. It lasted all these years. And when I was going skiing, I'm not skiing, surfing, um, it just decided to cave in on me. So anyway, I got an ACL, reconstructive surgery. I got a little cadaver piece um, in my ACL with like two screws. Wow. Um, and I repaired my, the medial meniscus, the inner meniscus as well. So it's going to, and a little bit of the lateral, the outer meniscus as well that he needed to shave off. Um, so it's a, it was a big surgery, but it yeah. only lasted like about an hour long and, I'm like two weeks into recovery. Um, so, yeah. Wow, that's, that's pretty, I mean, I, I, it's, it's funny. I, I broke my ankle uh, on Christmas Day last year during the lockdown. And Ugh. I was in a, I know, I mean, it's not comparing to what you're going through, but I was in a boot for three months and I, I couldn't, I couldn't walk. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, I will say being an active person and I find myself, well, first of all, it was, it was a huge struggle for, for me just the recovery because I, I like to be an active human being like most people. Mm -hmm. And, and I could, I couldn't do anything. Um, and and I, it's just it was really. Um, I mean, you have this big smile on your face, but I I know I, I'm laughing because it's like I it's, was depressed. It's an interesting experience, yeah, for well, sure. Yeah, well, no, I mean, you seem to have a good uh, perspective on it, but I, I was I was immensely uh, depressed, and mm -hmm. it was a really 
a traumatic experience, and and I I was worried that I would not be able to um, jump, walk. I mean, because the doctor said, "Oh yeah, you'll be off a of boot in you know four to six weeks." Well, I was ten weeks into it, and I still couldn't. Oh, so man. I, yeah, so I was like, and he's like, "Don't worry, don't." Worry. But it, but back to sort of your point to be mm. to be a little bit more uplifting here. Um, I I am about ninety five percent now, and. And it is amazing. I, I think that's the thing. You know, the, the body does have this sort of innate ability to heal mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as you rest and you're smart. And, and, and that it, it is a pretty, it's a powerful vehicle. It is. But, you know, we're human and it's frustrating, you know, when we when we go through these things. I'm super independent, you know, and I like to be active myself. Mm-hmm. And I also, I've learned a lot to slow down, you know, throughout the years and stuff. I remember one of my first few yoga classes that I was taken as a student, I would just leave 15 minutes early and not understand why people would lay down in Shavasana for five minutes. I just, I don't get it. I was like, why? The life's waiting. Come on, you know? Yeah. And I slowed down so much since that day, um, teaching yoga and getting into meditation and stuff. So I like quiet moments, um, but I am definitely very rebellious. Uh, it's hard for me to slow down. Um, but I've also, I know that there's a lot of magic when I actually get to that point because I had like back surgery a few years ago as well. And that was really, really hard for me. So this one is actually, I'm kind of like more relaxed and more, like more surrendered Hmm. through it. Um, but it's also okay to like be frustrated and be angry and be annoyed and be uncomfortable. And because we're also human, you know, um, I've definitely had my moments with, this whole experience of choosing the right surgeon and the right time of it and, you know, supporting, get, having support and building a nest for myself and trying to get all my stuff ready. Like, and little things that I can't even think about is like, how do I carry a cup of coffee from the kitchen to the bedroom while being on crutches? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. I can't use my hands for anything. So it's, it's like, I just got to learn to have fun with myself too, you know, or my cat would drop something on the ground and I was like, come on, I got to like try to pick that up, you know? Um, but I think the, the thing that's most, most, the hardest for people and including myself is like when we're in resistance, resisting what is, it create it creates so much pain, yeah, frustration, anger, and such a waste of time and energy. And sometimes we can't help it and we just go there and then you just got to own it and be like, I'm in my shit. I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. Hmm. You know, I don't, whatever it is. And then you learn to just surrender. And then when you surrender, it's like, there's a, there's another level of freedom that comes through on the other side. And, you know, the way that I look at this too, is it's like, I'm supposed to like being course corrected too. I'm supposed to go in a different direction. I'm supposed to stop all momentum because, and this might sound cliche, but I really feel it strongly. It's like, everything's supposed to take off in a different direction, but really in a good way. And that kind of happened twice with my back. You know, I was so scared years ago with my back. I was like so scared. I was on my back for three months, twice for surgery. And then two years later, it herniated again, same Mm. place. And I was by myself and single. And I didn't even know how I got through that time, you know, and having to surrender all my clients and all my work and everything and not knowing. But I, I got up on the other side of that and my life took off in a way that I was like, whoa. Hmm. So I have more um, faith this time, but I only do because I've already gone through it to some degree twice. But the first two times was hell because I was, I was in resistance. I was not happy with yeah. what was going on and the uncertainty of it and the fear. My mind was like freaking out. Um, I'm more relaxed now. You know, but I think it comes with time, (laughs) you know, um, I do feel it just, it feels like it's correcting, it's healing something that I didn't even know was broken for a long time. So the way that I look at it, I feel like it's actually creating a stronger foundation than ever before for something to, to realize in a more powerful way. And it sounds again, super cliche, um, but it's only because I've had two times already in the past of something similar, you know? How, how, how do I pronounce your last name? Joubert. Joubert. Yeah, it's French, but yeah, it most French. people don't do it completely correctly. So. Joubert. Joubert, yeah. 
Miss you bear. Marlies, this was really wonderful. It was great to see you. And um, I always feel um, uh, just more fulfilled and just fuller after having having people on the show. It, it relaxes me and it, it's just, it's nice to have um, conversations without distractions and, and thoughtful thoughtfulness. And it was really great to see you and chat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. And it's, it's so great to see you again. Yeah. It's like a full circle. You are know, you, I think we met each other many years ago. Are you still mm-hmm. out in LA? I am. Yeah, okay. I'm Santa Monica based. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. But super fun. Thank you so much as well. And, uh, you know, good luck with everything. And I'm sure we'll run into each other maybe in person on one of these days. I'd love that. I hope so. Are, now, yeah. is, are your breath work classes just there on hold now? Or you're going to be doing Zoom? I'm doing, um, I'm streaming live from my place so for Unplug okay. Meditation here in Santa Monica. Unfortunately, they made it virtual again, maybe like two months ago. Okay. Um, it was in person for a moment. Um, it should go back into person again real soon. And I teach my own um, other virtual classes on Thursday nights here as well. So nothing in person when it comes to breath work. Um, but once my, once I can... Once I'm off crutches, which is in early in two weeks, okay. um, I'll be back at Yoga Works uh, Main Street teaching yoga once a week there, um, and also Santa Monica Equinox oh, cool. on Fridays. Great. Yeah. Cool. Well, great mm-hmm. to see you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for everything that you do as well. And, you know, just stay strong and it's all we can do. <laughs> I know. I know. Believe me. Um, well, I'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know. I'll post this sometime, you know, next week, but I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's fantastic again. Yeah. And uh, good luck and stay in touch. Likewise. Thank you. Okay, Eddie. Take care. (laughs) Bye.